0: Hallelujah. How many wants to be in the army of the Lord? Amen. Well, okay, let's see. Let's go to Joshua chapter three. Joshua chapter three. Because that leads us right to our scripture tonight. The Lord did some changing. Joshua chapter three. and go to Joshua chapter 6. I told you the Lord changed something and this is a new Bible so I don't have everything underlined like it needs to be. But I want you to see in Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was... Are you there? Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. They were scared. Can you imagine? They were scared of the believers, the body, the Israelites... And none went out, and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given you Jericho into your hand, its kings and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. Say men of war. Now the translation says all the army. He didn't say all the people. He said all the men of war, the army, will march around Jericho for six days. Not all the people, but all the army. And then it goes on to say further down, on the seventh day, then let all the people shout. So thank God the army starts it and the people get to go ahead and join in. But How many wants to be in the army of the Lord? Not just spectators, but participators. And, 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 and who would have loved? I mean, it's great that all the people get to holler and all the people get to shout. But how many would have been glad to be part of that army to walk around it for six days instead of just one? God's raising up His army. How many would have volunteered? Let me see the hands. How many would have volunteered to be in the army that day? Okay. How many would not have volunteered? Okay, let's look at Psalms 110. (laughs) Psalms 110. How many want to volunteer today? How many want to volunteer today? I want you to see... In Psalms 110, verse 1, prophetic about the Messiah, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies my footstool. And the Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemy. Say that with me. Rule Rule in the midst midst of your enemy. enemy. Now look at verse 3. The Messiah has come. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Amen. He came to restore and preach the kingdom of God among us. Then he says, in that day, which is still today, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Glory to be to God. If that's not underlined, you need to underline it. This is the New King James Version. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. I believe we're there. Hallelujah. Now, the New Living Translation says, your people will serve you willingly. You are arrayed in holy garments. Hallelujah. Then it goes on to say, look at this. It says, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. So praise God. God is raising up an army and we're all young. Amen. And God is going to use all of us. But praise God, if you want to be a volunteer, that's that's a uh, it's a time to volunteer to be part of the army of the Lord. Now, I want to read something to you tonight. Uh, some studies I got a hold of. You know, you hear so many times, there's so much emphasis. And and the thing about the church for years, when I was a child back in the 70s, back in the days of my dad, my grandparents, uh, I'm third, fourth generation believer. The church has put so much emphasis on the world's just going to get worse and worse, darker and darker, and we can't wait to get out of here. And it makes it sound like we just gotta, we need an escape route and hopefully the rapture is gonna be our escape route. But God is looking for volunteers in the day of his power. We're not looking for the rapture to be an escape route out of here. He says, work until I come. Move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit till I come. Move in power. For every day is a day of my power. Every day is an opportunity for me to manifest myself as King of kings and Lord of lords. Now many people, like for example, Charles Spurgeon, the preacher of preachers said, I myself believe that King Jesus will reign and the idols will be utterly abolished. But I expect the same power which turned the world upside down once will still continue to do it. Ha! That's no poor mountain. That's no woe is me. I hope we just get out of here. No, Charles Spurgeon says the same power that turned the world upside down in the book of Acts, I believe it's still the same power, God, available to the church today to still... Turn the world upside down. The Holy Ghost will not suffer his reputation to to rest upon his, a bad reputation to rest upon his holy name that he is not able to convert the world. Jonathan Edwards, the great revivalist said, the visible kingdom of Satan shall be overthrown and the kingdom of Christ set up on the ruins of it. Everywhere throughout the whole habitable globe. John Wesley said that persons will see with their eyes that He, God, is already renewing the face of the earth. We have strong reason to, be- reason to hope that the work He begun, He will carry out until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that He will never underestimate His blessed work of His Holy Spirit until He has fulfilled all His promises, until He has put a period to sin misery, infirmity, and death and reestablish universal holiness and happiness and cause by all the heavens of the earth to sing together, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, you know, a lot of people talk about the good old days and about, boy, things have gotten so bad today that this is horrible. Well, I want to read to you about this country 200 years ago. This country 200 years ago It was about 5 million people who immigrated were descendants or immigrants. 20% of them were slaves. Listen to this. This is 200 years ago. The age of sexual consent in many states was 9 or 10 years of age. Listen to this now. Abortion was legal throughout most of the 19th century. And records tell us that more than one-fifth of all pregnancies were aborted. And Michigan, having the highest rate at 34%. How many know there has always been something about Michigan? And isn't that where the, the, the biggest Islamic groups are? And they closed down, and the senator or the congressman of, of Michigan swore on a Koran, the first one ever. This Tuesday, we are going to pray prophetically for Michigan. Because there is something that it had the greatest rate back then. And it is ahead in, in the occult and the demonic today. And we've got to join with our brothers and sisters that they are going to reign in the day of the Lord's power. But you, do you, you hear 200 years ago that it was okay for children to be having sex at 19 years old? And did you hear that in the 19th century? Did you hear that uh, abortion was legal throughout most of the 19th century? And records tell us that one-fifth of all pregnancies was aborted alcoholism was higher then than it is today. Two hundred years ago in this country, alcoholism was higher then than it is today. Prostitution was also higher then than it is today. In New York City, it is written that there was one prostitute for every 64 men. The mayor of Savannah, Georgia, said that there was one prostitute for every 39 men. The percentage of Americans going to church was about equal to what it is today. Thousands of people were moving west, and most of them had no churches to attend until the years after they settled in communities. Things in the United States were not better morally, ethically, or spiritually. Of course, there were some godly individuals laying the foundation of the United States government, but the moral and ethical climate was much worse than it is today. And many want to say the good old days, but praise God, we have seen a change in America with the billions we have is not as bad as it was then. Isn't that something? And we could talk about homosexuality and so many other things. And there's some other things we could read here. But I wanted to read that to you because as the world's going around saying, it's just getting worse and worse. I watched The Ramp and I watched Hillsong last night. And and I turn on Daystar and I turn on TVN. And I hear the Spanish people on Saturday afternoons and I see that churches are having to enlarge and I, I see souls are being saved and I hear of missions expanding. I hear hearing of the children being fed, I hear of all of these great and wonderful things and, and I don't want to be listening to all the gainsayers and all those who's saying that America's going to hell because the truth of the matter is if you do your studies, we're better off today than we were two hundred years ago. And we're more people. Yes, praise Jesus. Yes, praise Jesus. Glory be to God. Our Jesus, His Word and the Holy Spirit in the name is not going to be outdone by the enemy. I don't care what His or her name is. I'm still believing and I still know there's going to be a mighty move and a revival of God. And so don't you give up. It's about, oh, did you hear the news? It's so horrible. This world is cursed and horrible. But the church is going forward. And I'm expecting greater and greater and greater things. Amen, church. Now, we've been talking about dominion. I want you to look with me in Proverbs chapter 4. I will not keep you long tonight. Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 23. But for the church to do its work... I talked last week, last week or the week before, I taught on if we're going to have dominion over the enemy, we've got to learn how to have dominion over ourselves. Can I hear an amen, church? Self-control. We read the scriptures, many of them, one after another. Self-control. Self-dominion. and And there's a teaching we want to just do here tonight in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, keep your heart. Say, keep. That's dominion, and we're going to see that word a lot in here in Proverbs chapter four. Keep your heart. Have dominion over your heart with all diligence. Be diligent to keep your heart. For out of it springs the issue of life. Say dominion over, dominion over our heart. Have you seen the commercial about that man he goes jogging with his son, the man who, who the, the, uh, the artificial heart's named after him. Have you seen that commercial? Well, you know, he said he built that heart because of his dad dying of a heart attack and he didn't want to see himself or anyone else die so he went to work and he invented the artificial heart that is named after him. Well, we... I heard that and you hear the passion of this man and you see that commercial quite often. And I keep hearing the passion of this man and I keep hearing about this man went to all this work and he went to make this artificial heart so that people might live. And I started thinking, isn't that what Jesus did when he came? He came and he gave us his heart. He gave us his heart for the loss. He gave us his heart for victory. He gave us his heart after the father. And that's why he's saying, I have given you a heart transplant. Don't ruin this heart like you did the last heart. Your last heart was destroyed because of nicotine. Now that you have a new heart, a new lung, don't go and continue living the lifestyle you have lived. Now that you have a new heart, take care of this one. Come on, church. Now that I have given you my heart, take care of this heart. Now that I have given you my kidney, don't continue drinking soft drinks and anything that would be hard to, to your kidney. Now that you have had this transplant, keep care of what I've transplanted in you. Because your life depends on it. Because out of it flows the issues of life. And I want to give you the definition of the word issues. The word issue means boundaries. Guard your heart. Because out of your heart comes the boundaries, but get this: guard your heart, for out of your heart comes the deliverances. In the strongest Concordance, the word "boundaries," I mean the word "issues," is the word "deliverances." How many know you can have everybody come around through the world and cast them out of you, but He's giving you the, the, the key right now. If you keep your heart, you shall walk in deliverance. And then that word issues not only means deliverance, it means breakthroughs. Come on, church. It's the word. The word issue there is the word breakthrough. Now, I heard a preacher a while back preaching about the woman with the issue of blood, that everybody's got an issue and we got issues and we need to be redeemed of our issue. But when you look the word issue up, the word is breakthrough deliverances and boundaries. Guard your heart. Because out of your heart comes the boundaries, the deliverances, and guarding your heart comes the breakthroughs we need for our life. Can I hear it? Amen? amen? So we see that God is telling us here to watch our heart. It also speaks of used as water going out of the rock, a gushing forth, a force, a forceful deliverance, a forceful breakthrough going forth. The Bible speaks about God rewards us according to our heart. Amen? So listen, let me share something with you right quick. If we are going, if you want to see a change in life, there must be a change in heart. Because out of the heart flows the issues, the breakthroughs, the deliverance, the boundaries of life. And what I want you to see is that a lot of people, listen to me, because you hear a lot of Christians talk this way. Well, you know, Pastor, things aren't going too good for me. I need to fast more. I need to, I need to give more. I know I need to give more. I know I need to pray more, Pastor. I need to pray more. And we, listen, we always talk about doing more instead of becoming more. Giving more, praying more, fasting more, those are all good things, and we do need to do that. But out of the heart flows. Breaks forth the breakthrough and the deliverance in life. And so I think that if we want to see some changes, and a lot of people say, if you send this check, you will get your breakthrough. Proverbs says that if you will change your attitude, you will get your breakthrough. If you will change your character, you will get your breakthrough. It's not doing more. It's becoming more. It's becoming more. Amen? What we do is the foundation Oh, what we truly believe. And we're going to see what the enemy tries to do there. So we see here that what, what we have to do is watch our heart. Now, how, that, this is something I want you to write down. I'm not going to ask you to say it. But I want you to write this question down. Because if I need to watch my heart, guard my heart, write this question down and later on do an examination. I'm going to show you one of the words in Greek and Hebrew that we're going to see if we have time is to evaluate ourselves. I want you to write down, what best describes me? What best describes me? Go to the Holy Spirit. What describes me the best? Is it passionate? Is it zealous? Is it loving? Or is it lukewarm? And I don't care attitude. Am I compassionate? And am I concerned of others? Or is it all about me? Am I selfish? Or am I giving? What best describes me? And then ask yourself the second question. What are my desires? Because remember, he said, I'll give you the desires of your heart. So what best describes me? And second, what are the desires of my heart? I can't change my behavior till I change my life. Now, listen to this. Issues means to evaluate my life. It also means to evaluate my experience in life. To evaluate and examine. Uh, Brother Jake, Brother Shane, and myself was just gone to a conference. And Brother Shane had never rode on a glass elevator. So... I couldn't stand leaving without him riding on a glass elevator. Plus, we were staying on the seventh floor. So we got in this glass elevator so he could experience in his life what it's like to ride in a glass elevator. And I told him to walk to the edge of the elevator, stick your toes against the glass Put your nose against the glass and get the sensation of this glass elevator going to the seventh floor and then back down. So he had an experience in his life of a glass elevator. It's like when your kids get old enough to remember the first time they take off in one of big 747 or one of these big jets and they get all excited about it. So one of the things about issues is what have I experienced in my life? It means to examine it, to examine. What dominates my needs? What is the dominating factor in my needs? What's dominating my thoughts? And so it says here in chapter 4, let's look at verse 20, and it gives us some things to help us see how we need to examine ourselves. Verse 20, my son, give attention. To my words. I'm so thankful you came out tonight because you're giving, you're doing what this says to do. Give attention. Give attention. Another translation says pay attention. Another one says listen well to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. In other words, there's something that I want to impact your heart with. I want to impact your heart with. Look at verse 21. Do not let them depart from your eyes. How do I examine? Saints, how do we examine our life? By examining what we look at with our eyes. What we look at. How we look at it. That is a test right there. Don't let them depart from my eyes. What am I looking at? And keep them in the midst of your heart. What am I thinking about? My eyes will lead my thoughts. Look at verse 23. Look at verse 24. I'm sorry. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. There we're talking about the mouth. Not only the eyes. Not only the ears. What am I looking at? What am I hearing? Now we see. What am I saying? And put perverse lips far from you. What words do I speak on? How many of the Bible says that... From the abundance of the heart and the mouth speaks. What we look at, what we hear, what we say, what we meditate on is going to come out of our heart. Why? Because what we look at, what we hear, and what we say impacts our heart. So my heart condition is what I feel it up with. Now, self-dominion, another definition of self-dominion, is taking self-evaluation to what I say self-evaluation to what I look at and self-evaluation of what I'm hearing. We need to write that down because here we see if we want breakthroughs and deliverances, what is the issues in my heart? And it says, self-dominion is taking evaluation of what I say, what I enjoy looking at, and what I like hearing. Amen. Now, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What Am I filling my heart up with most? And when when I read that and I was thinking of that, it reminded me of my children, my three boys. Uh, My wife breastfed them. And we got pictures. And how did we know when those boys were full? The milk would dribble out of the corner. They would drink so much that pretty soon you'd see that milk dribbling out the corner of their mouth. And you knew they were full. Well, what is dribbling out of your mouth? What is dribbling out of your mouth? I've got to give more to get my breakthrough. What is dribbling out of your mouth? What have our eyes, our ears, and our mouth been looking and meditating on? Come on, this is good. I surprised you. What's dribbling out of our mouth? What is filling our hearts? Shouldn't it be the Word of God? I need to listen to my words. I need to pay attention to what I look at. I need to see what my heart is feeding on. You know, it's real easy uh, to tell what someone is interested in. Because where your heart is, your wallet goes. You talk to these fellas, we pray for Chris tonight, Chris is into NASCAR. And I'm sure he's got some little models. I know he's got the shirts and I know he's got the hat and I know he loves NASCAR and I know he's even been to some races. And when you find somebody who their eyes and their ears and their mouth and their heart is into something, you talk to these guys who like deer hunting or or, or dove hunting. A brother was telling me about his new uh, Clint Eastwood pistol he's going to hunt deer with pretty soon. I mean, you are going to be interested what your heart is in. And you're going to invest in those things what your heart is in. If you walk into uh, my oldest boy's room, he's a musician. And he's got a set of drums in one corner, but now he's put a snare drum and drumsticks on the wall of the other corner. And you see things that have to do with instruments and music because that's his interest and he'll, he'll just continue going that direction. Then you go into my other son's room and then he's all in, he's into guitar and amps and he's into England and you'll see the big old British flag and you'll see a big British, uh, guitar case and you'll see, uh, all kind of different pictures of things and cars of England. Then you go into my youngest, son's room, and he's into magic and he's got all of his magic kits and his suitcase full of magic tricks that he does on Sunday morning for Sunday school. You can see what you're interested in. You go into my wife's closet. And you see that when we go, and and if you go with Jake to buckle, you see the dribble starts coming down as he looks at the shirts and the shoes. Amen. But what you're interested in, you're going to put everything into it. And you're going to talk about it. You're going to talk about NASCAR. You're going to talk about cooking. You're going to talk about shopping. You're going to talk about whatever is truly interested to you. But you've got to understand, what you really put everything into, that is the issue of your heart that is going to bring forth deliverance or bondage. That's going to break boundaries. Or it's going to stop breakthroughs. And so the Spirit of God is telling us here that He's given us richly all things to enjoy, but He's given us all things richly to enjoy. He's given us all things richly to enjoy, but we must take heed. What are we the fullest with? He wants us to be fullest of the things of the kingdom. Because that's where the breakthrough and the things come forth. You know, have you ever been offended? Have you ever got angry at somebody? How you know the more you think about it, the angrier you become. Your focus will become your reality. I was getting ready to say that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You stole my best line. That was my punchline. Thank you. You get behind, stuck behind a train on highway 71 or you you get behind traffic, and the more you allow that to just grow? and grow, and grow, by the time you get home, you're a ticking time line. And they wonder, why why are you so upset? Your wife asks you, why are you so upset? Oh, I got stuck behind that train. And you allowed it just to fester, and just grow, and grow, and grow, and grow. What we mostly meditate upon is going to manifest under the pressure. And that's one of the things I want to try to get to tonight. Uh, James chapter 1, and I'll try to be rolling this up because I know y'all, a lot of y'all have to get up early in the morning. I always like to respect that. But James chapter 1, verse 12, I do want to show you this. How many want to be blessed? Well, it says in James chapter 1, verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Now, I love the message. It says, anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such a person's loyalty in love with God, the reward is life and more life. Life and more life. Say that with me. Life, life. and more life. more life. Now, I want to give you uh, one of the definitions. Of course, the word blessed means empowered to prosper, highly favored. That It says when you are tested, not if you are tested. We all are going to be tested. But when we are tested, how are we going to respond? And one of the words for temptation and test is putting to proof by experience through adversity. Amen. The putting to proof. By experience of adversity, and verse two says, "Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come, consider it an opportunity for great joy, the trial of your faith, the adversity. Verse 13 says, "It's not God who does these things, but we know it's the enemy of these things. Now don't say that the devil's behind this stuff. Now the te- testing comes to all of us, Amen. Testing comes to all of us. But my wife uh, has her certificate in Christian counseling. And you hear the word a lot, chronic. Especially chronic addiction. Chronic this, chronic that. Chronic is when you just decide or you can't help but doing something over and over and over again. And the temptation of the trial comes to put pressure, like we shared a little while ago, on what you really believe. What is the true issue of your heart? What I have been meditating on is going to be seen when the trials come my way. And it, the pressure comes to try to get me to back out and back away from, uh, from the Word of God and what I believe, and therefore compromise, and whatever I have been filling my mind and my heart with, under the pressure of trial and temptation, is going to surface and come to pass. Now I know for many of you this is elementary, but the truth is that this is solid doctrine for the rest of our lives. What we fill our heart with every day is going to manifest when there's not enough money to pay the bills. Or you come home and the child has to go to the dentist or, or this happens and that happens and the other. When the pressures come, what have we been filling our heart with? Because out of the abundance, the what we have been filling ourselves up is going to come forth. Now, we have been dribbling because we're full of other things. We're full of NASCAR, hunting or whatever. More than the fullness of the kingdom of God, those things are going to come out. And we're going to look to those things to try to satisfy that need. But the pressure comes to try to pull us away from the Word of God. The tempter, when Jesus was tempted, isn't it something that the tempter said after Jesus used the Word to combat the tempter? It says that the tempter left for a season. For a season. Why? He's going to come back. He's going to come back. And you know, very I don't have to tell you, but when you have Battled and you have conquered an area in your life. It's the time to pray and study more than when you were trying to conquer it because it's when we get at rest, the enemy tries to, the enemy says, I'm going to come back at a more convenient time. Or in other words, I'm coming back to check up on you. I'm coming back to check up on you. I'm coming back to check up on you. And that's why we're going over this word. That's why I've got to, I've got to examine my heart and my life. You've got to examine your heart and my life. Your life. Uh, no, not my life. Your life. You, you examine your own. You've got to examine your eyes. You've got to examine your ears. You've got to examine your mouth. You've got to examine your heart. Because out of it flows the issues of life. It says, I shall be blessed if I endure the pressure to back away from the truth. Amen? To test is to test what I believe. So Jesus spoke the word to break the test. Every time I stand on the word of God, adversity will come to prove if I truly believe. It's like, for example, my wife and I, we make a decision. We want to give a special offering towards something. And it's amazing. Honey, what you feel? I feel that like we ought to give so much to the building fund. Oh yeah, I, I, that's great. Let's do it. We go to write that check, and is it something before we could put it in the offering? All of a sudden, an unexpected bill comes up. Adversity. Testing. So what do we do? Do we give that, sow that seed like we had planned, or do we allow adversity to back us up from what God had told us in our hearts? Amen. Come to test what we put in our hearts. The word adversity means persecution, tribulation, anguish, trouble, hardship, and affliction. It's the Greek word philipsis. Adversity means persecution, tribulation, anguish, trouble, hardship. An affliction. And it also is where we get our word pressure. Pressure. I mean, this is the real spiritual uh, warfare that we read about so many times. But verse 2, James says, let patience have a perfect work. That means consistent. Say consistent. Consistent in believing, in thinking, in saying, in seeing, regardless of the pressure. Consistent. Trustworthy, faithful to seeing, to hearing, to listening, to seeing, to speaking, to meditate on until regardless of the pressure. In other words, hang in there because the day will be coming Will you, you will be not wanting anything, but you'll be perfect and tired not wanting nothing. Amen? Aversity comes to get our attention off of God's Word and upon the circumstances. 2 Corinthians 4.17 speaks about affliction, which is also the word pressure. While we look not at things that are. How many of you know that scripture? That word. Write this down. Write this down right quick. This is so important. As we look not. That word look not is the Greek word aim or focus. We do not aim or focus on the things that are. But on the things that are not. Believing God. The enemy comes to put pressure for us to start focusing and aiming towards the things we don't want. Amen? The temporal realm. It means to focus or to get our attention. How I many you know we've got to resist the devil and refuse that? The temporal realm. That's where adversity looks. The word look not means the unseen, the kingdom of God. Pressure tries to make us r- relieve... Listen to this. Pressure, temptation, affliction comes to try to make us relieve the pressure by giving in to how we feel or what we see. That's the trial and temptation of James uh, chapter 1. To put pressure on us to give in and relieve the pressure we're feeling. Just don't fight it anymore. Just give in. Why proclaim it? Why confess it anymore? Why believe it anymore? Why believe that the windows of heaven will be open and the devourer will be rebuked? Why believe that there's going to be a change and and God's going to send a revival? Why believe these things? And it is a lot easier to focus on the seen than it is on the unseen and under pressure to retreat of what we believe and what we want to believe with our heart because faith is evidence of things not seen but the things hoped for. So it puts pressure on us to give up because if we don't give up, it seems like it's going to make things worse. But hallelujah, we can keep believing God no matter what. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stop there. Did you get something out of this tonight? I tell you, this is so important. I feel like the Spirit is saying, I want an army, but I need an army who is going to watch over their heart. Watch the issues of their heart. Watch what we see, we hear, think everything we read there in Proverbs chapter 4. How many is going to put it to practice? Amen. How many know it's the Word? Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to put it to practice. Hallelujah. What are the issues in my heart? What is trying to cause me to reverse or or draw back from my confession of faith? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you here tonight? You you mean to tell me you don't have this battle? You're a bunch of angels? That's why you're sitting there so quiet? Everything's just chirpy, chirpy in your life? You don't have no pressure in your life? Huh? Three people. (laughs) How many people can say, you preach to me tonight, preacher? The devil's trying to make me focus. The devil's trying to make make me aim and just say, I'm just going to give in in that area. Why do that? Why keep that as your goal? Jesus looked at the cross and said, there's nothing that is going to make me look away from my destination. But oh, you, you got to get rid of some of those programs off of TV. You don't need to be watching some of those programs on TV. You need to watch some of those jokes the friends tell, comrades at work tell. You got to watch how you treat your husband, how you treat your wife. You got to control the issues of the heart. Don't focus on what the enemy's drawing before you as devastation or it's never going to work. You keep standing and you keep firm that nothing's going to take you off or may push you away from your decision that you are going to, you're going to walk in the promises and the blessings of God. Don't you allow the enemy come and, and, and just try to plant something else in your heart and your mind that, that you're never going to get what you're believing God for. He says that he's going to give us life and more life and more life because I'm staying focused that the enemy is not going to pressure me into saying anything against what God has already promised me. He said, he said in Psalms 107, He sent His Word and healed me. There's no pressure that the enemy is going to send my way to make me take that back. No, devil, I'm not t- t- getting off my word. According to Philippians 3, uh, 19, the Lord supplies all of our needs according to His gr- riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There's no pressure the enemy is going to try to put on me to make me change and focus on the negative of what I'm living instead of the surplus that God is able to give. We've got to stay focused. Church, the army has to stay focused. It's horrible with our soldiers in Iraq and people speaking so many negative things and saying so many things and everything and putting these signs out and all this other stuff. They don't need to see the focus on what people, some, some crazy people are saying. They need to be focused on all the millions of people that are saying, we're praying for you, we're standing for you, and we believe you're coming back, and this war is going to be over soon in right. Jesus' name. I mean, what are we focusing on? Focusing on what someone told us. Focusing on what a loved one or a mate said. Or focusing, Lord, you said seven times seventy. My tongue is bleeding because you said 70 times 7, but I am not giving in. I'm going to stay focused on the life of Christ. Stay focused on the life of Christ. Stay focused on the life of Christ. Christ. I believe God is calling the church back. doesn't matter how prophetic, how anointed one may be, God is calling us back to the cross. Calling us back to the cross. Calling us back to the cross. Paul said this morning as we read, I bear in my body the marks of the cross, the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is calling us back to the cross. This is a church that's going to preach the cross more than ever before. It's going to preach, Crucify not I that live, a Christ who lives in me more than before. We are a church that is preparing ourselves to the Word of His grace, to be a body to walk in the maturity and the fullness of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There is going to be a maturity and a unity and a growth this year. Because Christ is working all in all to bring us into the place and the position we need to be. And don't let nothing or nobody take your focus off of Christ and what He said in His Word. Don't let nothing take your focus off. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Your grace of mercy. I pray for Your grace of renewed strength. I thank You that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I thank You that right now we take a hold of that joy. That, Lord, You count us worthy. That, Lord, You said, I will not allow anything to... A trial or temptation to you that I know you will not be able to handle. So Lord, the hardest of hard times that many have been going through, what well, seems to be a living nightmare in many's lives. What well, seems to be the hardest thing to do right now is because you trust them that they're going to continually put that refocus on you and not allow the pressure of this tremendous nightmare to push them out of faith. And out of your word and out of your will. I thank you for a grace which is able to help us and make us stand regardless of the pressures of our flesh or of the enemy or of others. I thank you for your grace, your precious grace, your sufficiency in all things that is able to help us stand. I bless my brothers and my sisters. I bless the youth and the children. I thank you for the ability to focus. And Lord, I pray our youth will be able to handle the word of God. Our children will be able to handle the word of God as well as they handle that remote of the Xbox. I thank you that Lord, they will put their heart into focusing on you and they will be so adequate, so precise that they are the army rising up that shall put the enemy to flight. I praise you for the hour we live in. Lord, we say we're volunteers. To be in Your army in this, the day of Your power. We praise You and we thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Thank You, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. One more thing. Father, we come before You and we pray over the storm they're announcing tomorrow. And Father, I pray and I plead the blood over everybody's home. Their car, their workplace, their trees, their power lines, their children, their lives. I plead the blood in Psalms 91 and the guardian angels over all your people. I plead the blood over this, your premises, your building, your property. And I plead the blood of Jesus over our city and our area. And I just pray with my brothers and sisters for a standard to be raised up against this storm that they say will be the storm of the history. But I decree the storm of the history is the spiritual storm that's brewing. I decree that there is a storm of Holy Ghost power. I decree that there is a storm of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Word that is hitting this entire central Louisiana area that is going to drop down the walls and hindrances of times past and is going to allow the power of God to be alive in His church yeah. that His people may reign in dominion and authority. Yeah. And Lord, I praise You right now. Everyone's property is covered. Yeah. And it will not be the storm of the history. Because the storm of the history is going to be a spiritual one, not a natural one. And I praise You and I give You glory for it. In Jesus' name. Now you say, how can you pray that? How many ever read about Goshen? When the Israelites were in Goshen. The hailstorm was in Egypt. But they did not fall in Goshen. The fire fell in Egypt. But it did not fall, fall, fall in Goshen. Whatever happened in Egypt. Could not happen to the redeemed covered by the blood of an innocent lamb. So you go decreeing the blood. You go trusting in the blood. You go thanking God for the blood. And you will have testimony of the divine protection of Jesus Christ. Don't fear. Don't focus. Don't worry. Just be happy. If you have needs, we'll be here to pray for you, minister to you. We love you. We bless you. In the name of Jesus, intercession Tuesday night and ministry More of the Word Wednesday night. God bless you and see you then.
1: Hallelujah.